How great is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We said last year that as a church, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to thrive. We wanted to do some great ministry. And you saw just a snapshot of some of the amazing ministry that took place, right, this, this last year. Um, I mean, just in, incredible stuff. Record number baptisms. Uh, some things we really uh, are excited uh, about what God's doing in, in and through uh, this, this church. And we said we wanted to thrive, and we think we've seen that. Um, at the same time... Uh, we're, we're at a point where <laughs> we're, we need to catch up financially. And so as we um, are coming to the end of this, this year, uh, we don't want to stop doing this incredible ministry that, that we're doing. And so we do need to catch up. And I would just ask that you would prayerfully consider maybe giving over and above um, this, uh, this last, as we get into December, this last month uh, of the year to help us in the year strong financially. I can tell you the staff is already talking about things, some big plans we have for next year. We want to even see God do bigger and better things next year. Um, are you going to join us in that church? Amen. That's what we want. We want to see God uh, do even more than we can ask or imagine. And so I believe he's going to do that, but we want to be in good financial shape to be able to do those things. So please consider that. The other thing I wanted to say to us this morning is Merry Christmas. Can you turn to your neighbor and say Merry Christmas? Yeah, none of that happy holidays business, all right? Don't make me come down there, all right? It's Merry Christmas. We're going to celebrate. We're already celebrating Christmas, even if it isn't technically December yet. Uh, today actually begins something that's called Advent, the Advent season. Advent simply means coming. It's the, this idea of the coming of Christ. Okay, and so you can understand why it would apply to the birth of Christ. We're getting our hearts ready to celebrate his birth. In a sense, we kind of enter into the Christmas story preparing for Jesus to be born, and we'll celebrate that on Christmas. But spoiler alert, Jesus was already born, okay? We know this. So there's a second meaning to Advent. It's also preparing for his, his second coming. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus is going to come back, and we want to be ready for that. But I'm going to suggest today even a third meaning of Advent, which is that we can experience Jesus right now. Church, do you believe that Jesus is alive? Do you believe that he's in this place this morning? All right, so we want to get our hearts ready this Advent to experience him, experiencing him this entire Christmas season and beyond. Okay, that's, that's our hope for this series. Um, it, in, in, in the Old Testament, the people of God were longing to experience God. They were longing to experience his goodness, his presence in their lives. And so they get a, they get a prophecy. Like 600 years uh, before Jesus is born, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah uh, uh, gives them this amazing prophecy in Isaiah 9-6. And it says, for to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now let me just pause there for a second. This isn't talking about some human government, some earthly government. This is talking about God's government. God's purposes and plans for the world, God's purposes and plans for your life. And it says it's going to be on Christ's shoulders. In fact, I believe some of us come in here this morning and we're carrying some burdens and some heavy things, and I want to just give us an opportunity. Can we just cast those burdens off on Jesus right now? Can we just give it over to him? He will carry it for you. 
Okay? In fact, I believe as we begin this Christmas season, what maybe we need to do is just take a deep breath. Can we just do that first? Just take a deep breath. <sighs> just let it go. Let it go. Every time I say that, I still think of the Frozen movie. I can't. The kids love that movie. I hate that movie. I hate that. Some of you just need to let it go. It is good advice. We'll put it on his shoulders and let him carry it for us this Christmas season. It goes on to then say, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It gives us these four characteristics of who Jesus is. And each week in this Christmas series, we're going to be talking about these things. And so this morning, we're going to start with this topic, Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Uh, When I was in fifth grade, a friend invited me to go to Bible camp with him. And one of the first things we did at this camp was we got on a boat, went out into the middle of the lake, and uh, started to water ski. I had never water skied a day in my life, and it became very clear that everyone else on the boat knew how to water ski because they all went, they got up on their first try, they were water skiing, and then it was my turn. I was nervous. I needed some help, okay? But the, 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 the guy driving the boat didn't really have a lot to offer, so he just said this. He, he, he just said, just lean back and hold on. <laughs> just lean back and hold on. That was his advice for me. So I got in the water feeling really awkward, skeezing. I've never done this before. But I didn't expect the, the boat to, to have as much pull as it did. And so I went headfirst into the water. But he had said, hold on. I thought, if you just keep holding on, maybe magically you start water skiing. So I'm being dragged through the water. And let me just tell you, when you get dragged through the water, you don't just lose your water skis. (laughs) Imagine this. I mean, in front of all the other camp kids, I'm having to frantically swim, find my swim trunks before they, you know, sink to the bottom, get them on. It was terrible. It was brutal. I went back so defeated and discouraged. But... I had an amazing camp counselor, and I went up to him. I said, Matt, I don't know know how to do this thing, this water skiing thing. We're going to be doing this all week. He gave me the best advice. He said, what you've got to do is you've got to visualize yourself water skiing. You've got to picture yourself there in the water. Feel the muscles in your legs pushing back against the resistance of the water and using that water to stand up visualize it. So I went to bed that night, and that's what I did. I just pictured myself water skiing. Sure enough, we went out the next day, first try, I'm up and I'm water skiing. All because I had an amazing counselor. That's what counselors do. Counselors counselors give us wisdom. They give us guidance. They give us direction for our life. And this is telling us Jesus is a great, wonderful counselor. In fact, uh, this, this word wonderful here, it's really more the idea he's an incomprehensible counselor. He's got so much wisdom. So, he's so much wiser than we are. In fact, those of us who walk with this Jesus and listen for this Jesus voice in our life, we've learned that he's often telling us things that don't always make sense in the moment. But it always bears itself to be the best advice, the best guidance. And that's because Jesus sees what we can't see. He sees the future. He sees the potential dangers that you can't see right now in your life. And he also sees the doors of opportunity and blessing. So we need a counselor in our life who sees all of it because he can help direct and guide our lives. I bet some of us come in here this morning and you're wrestling with a decision of some kind and you could use a good counselor, this wonderful counselor, 
for some guidance. You know, when you study the Bible, it's interesting in the Greek, um, uh, one of the things I enjoy is studying what these different Greek words mean. And, 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 and in the New Testament, there's three Greek words that describe an aspect of the word of God or the voice of God. And the first is this word, graphe. Can you say graphe? Graphe. Okay, graphe simply means the written word. It's simply words on a page. It, 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 it's words, it can be used of any book, really. But any words that have been written on a page, but sometimes the Bible is referred to as the graphe, the writings, okay, of God. Then you have the logos. Can we say logos? Logos. The logos is what those words mean. It's what those words are telling us. They have an objective meaning. We want to understand what do those words on that page of the Bible mean, okay? But this is where so many Christians get stuck. They think Christianity is just learning the Bible and learning the words on the page and what they mean, and then they're done. I'm going to suggest to you, though, there is a third step. There is another Greek word called rhema. Can we say rhema? Rhema. This is an important word for us to understand because what the rhema is, is it's God speaking directly to you. It's God giving you guidance, giving you direction for your life. In fact, it's interesting that uh, when you read the Christmas story, uh, we're told that uh, Mary was given this rhema, right? The angel comes to her and uh, tells her that she's going to give birth to Jesus. And then when Jesus is born, you've got all these interesting things, these signs and miracles that are happening, these shepherds find out and they start rejoicing and going throughout the land telling everyone that the Messiah, the Christ that is going to help people experience God has been born into the world. And look what we read in Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all these rhema and pondered them in her heart. She was storing up, treasuring these, these words, these signs that God was giving her for the plan he had for her life. She treasured up these, these rhema. Some of us need to hear this morning that God has a good plan for, for your life. Do you believe that? He has a specific good plan for your life. Not, I'm not talking about your parents here. I'm not talking about my life. I'm talking about for your life. He has a good plan and purpose for each and every one of you. I don't care if, you're, if there's a child in here today or a teenager, okay, or if you're in your 20s. Listen to me. God has good things for you to do in this world. He's got a great plan for your life. Plan not to harm, a plan to give you hope and a future. If you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, I'm here to tell you, God's got some really good things for you to do in this world. Some good things to experience by his grace in this world. If you're in your 60s, 70s, your 80s, listen, you might have retired from your job, but you have not retired from the kingdom of God. God still has something for you to do. He still has a good work for you to do. If you're in your 90s or your, your 100s, listen to me, God still has something for you. Someone to encourage, something to pray, someone to pray for. God still got something. Now, if you are 110, you're toast, okay? Okay, you've got heaven to look forward to. So congratulations. But for the rest of, listen to me, God's not done with you is what I'm saying. He has got a good purpose. He's got a good plan for each and every one of us. But 
here's what we also need to know. To live out that good plan and purpose, we need the rhema of God guiding our lives. You've got to have his guidance. You've got to have this counselor helping you along the way. My father-in-law, he, he just retired, but he, he went to God. God, am I, am I done yet? Am I supposed to retire? I mean, that's a scary thing. He needed God's guidance. He needed to hear from God. He needed to have comfort that that was the right decision to make. One of the helpful things that I do that I, I the way I kind of think about it, maybe this will be helpful to some of us. I don't call it this myself, but we could call it, you know, red light, yellow light, green light. And this is where I just go to God and I ask him to give me an impression of, uh, of, of something I should do when I'm like, you know, making a decision or something like that. And sometimes I'll go to God and pray and I try to get, God, are you giving me the red light? What does red light mean? Stop. Okay, say, God, are you telling me I need to stop in my tracks? Because this is what I think I should do, but if you tell me to stop, I want to I wanna stop. Uh, in fact, one time I remember I was going to make a big decision that involved relocating my family, and it was going to be a very big decision. It seemed really good. We were pre- preparing for it, and then that night, God gave me a dream, and in that dream, I stepped into this thing, and I started off doing this thing, and it slowly, it turned into a nightmare. And I remember I actually began to feel the problem with this thing I was going to step into. And I took that as God giving me a sign, stop. Do you believe God can speak to you through a dream? Yeah. He can. And he'll tell you stop. And I actually felt it. I felt the emotion. He was saying, stop. You do not want to do that. Okay. Uh, you know, Danielle and I, you know, every once in a while we have a little argument. Okay. And on one occasion, you know, I can't remember how she hurt my feelings on this occasion, but um, no, <laughs> but we got into a little, and I wanted to say something, and then it was, stop, stop. I could feel it. I know I was supposed to stop. And, 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 and you know, when I don't listen to God's voice, it's amazing how much longer it takes to recover. You know, the emotional drain that comes from that. God is always right. Sometimes he just speaks to our conscience or we just feel it. We just hear it in our, in our hearts that we need to stop. And so I want to know, God, when I'm making a decision, should I stop? Now, sometimes God's not going to give you the red light. He's going to give you yellow light. And friends, yellow does not mean speed up, okay? <laughs> in this context, yellow means I want you to move forward, but move forward cautiously. So I'm not saying stop. I'm saying move forward, but move forward cautiously. If you read the patriarchs of the Old Testament, if you read the missionary journeys, sometimes God gives them a red light. And he's like, I don't want you going to that town. I don't want you going to that city. Go a different direction. But he doesn't always give them crystal clear clarity where they are to go. They make plans. They have goals. But God just says, do it prayerfully. Move forward cautiously. Trusting me along the way. This is where we often find ourselves in life. And what God is honoring is the fact that you're moving forward prayerfully in a relationship with him. Amen? When you do that, you keep your blessing. Okay? So this is yellow light. And then sometimes God gives you green light. Green light, what is that? Go. I'm telling you to do something. You know, be brave. Be courageous. Be strong. Go and do that thing I'm calling you into. And sometimes he'll, he'll make it very clear, this is what I want you to do. We see this even in the, um, in the Christmas story. Um, 
You know, uh, Joseph, uh, in the book of Matthew, we read, is, uh, he's wanting to marry Mary. Okay, we could say he has the hots for Mary. Can I say that? I mean, that's the case. He wants to marry Mary. And, and, and yet, what happens? Mary turns out to be pregnant, and he feels dejected. And it even tells us he's going to quietly break off their engagement, which back in those days was a big deal. But then what happens? God gives him a rhema, a dream. We read this in Matthew 1. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so here was God giving Joseph a big green light. And sure enough, he was obedient to that. He took Mary in. And here we are still talking about Mary and Joseph who lived out the great plan God had for their life. Why? Because they listened to the rhema. So we want to be listening to that. You know, when I told you, Danielle, I had an argument. You know, God's like, Brent, I want you to go in there and say you're sorry. You know, I'm like, God, should I? Green light. You want to listen. You want to listen for those green lights in your life, even if it's in small things like that, just like Joseph did. The problem that I find is that we often are turning to other sources of authority for direction in our life not looking to God to help lead us. But look at what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Too often people are turning to other things to get their direction and their guidance in life, right? Some people, it's the internet because we have so much access to information and you can get, you know, so much knowledge. from this. So what does the internet tell me? Guys, don't believe everything you hear on the internet, Right? Abraham Lincoln said that, right? Okay, no. You don't want to believe everything you read on the internet. I mean, it's nice to have sources of information that can be, but that's not your ultimate source of authority. Some people turn to culture, and they're looking to culture. What does culture say? Movies, TV shows, music. That's how I want to live my life. That's who I want to be like. Friends, that's not your ultimate source of authority. Some people, it's just their feelings. What do I feel is right? What do I feel like doing? Here's the problem. Guys, we are living in the most prosperous time ever in human history. We are. More technology and comforts than ever before. How are we doing? There's a lot of suffering out there. A lot of people struggling out there these days. Like there's a lot of mental health issues that we see. I'm telling you, uh, I get emails. Anytime a mental clinic in, in our area has, a, has, a, has an opening, I get pinged. And it's like, oh, there's an opportunity. It's like this, like you better get in while you can because they are literally overflowing in the state of Minnesota. And that's the, that's the way it is across the U.S. Because when we don't listen to the voice of God, the rhema of God in our life, let me tell you something. It takes a toll on the human mind. We need God's direction. We need his guidance because only he knows what is best for each of us. If you grew up in the church, you do have a general sense of what is right and what is wrong. 
I mean, if you even dabble with reading the Bible a little bit, you get a general sense pretty quickly what's right, what's right. We know what God says about things, you know, about, like human sexuality. Male, female, all of that. And the boundaries that should be around sex, marriage. Wait, you, 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 if you grew up in the church, you generally know that? You know what God says about things like gender? God created them, male and female. You generally know that? God says about things like the sanctity of life and stuff like that. If you grew up in the church, you generally know that. But if you ask the average person out there, what, the way they perceive it is that the church is angry and is mad and is trying to force our morality onto them. They see Christians as being angry people and hateful is the word they often use. So if you try to even have a conversation about some of these things, about what God's word says on some of these things, what happens? Instantly, a wall goes up. Yes? You try having a conversation with someone in your family or a neighbor, and instantly there's a wall. You're one of those people. Friends, let me suggest that the answer is not trying to force our beliefs on others. Let me suggest it's not trying to force even our morality on people. Let me suggest that the answer is helping people encounter the living God for themselves. So they can hear the rhema in their life, which leads to true transformation. I grew up knowing the difference between what was right and wrong. Here's the problem. I just didn't care until the presence of God came into my life and I got the rhema. Then I started to feel conviction. Then I started to see doors of opportunity and things that were better for my life. It didn't happen until I got the presence of God in my inmost being. Speaking his rhema directly to me, his plan for my life. And I know some of us, maybe we come in here today and you're not experiencing the rhema. You're not experiencing his presence in your life. What do you do then? And I'm just going to end with this. My in-laws, they live on some property up north, about 10 acres. And uh, when they bought, it was just a cornfield. And so one of the first things you got to do if you own this property, you, you've got you've to get water. So they had to dig a well. So they got a contractor. He said, you're going to have to dig about this deep. Then you're going to hit some water. Water will gush up. You'll have water. It's going to cost you about this. They were on a very tight budget. Unfortunately, they dug, and they didn't hit water. It wasn't where the contractor said. In fact, they had to dig twice as deep, which meant also twice the cost. But once they finally dug down into the earth, they hit that reservoir of water, and water gushed up. And they had water, which they're living off to this day. I know so many of us who have been in church for a while, we've heard, you know, salvation is free, and salvation is a free gift, and it is through Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. But let me suggest something to you. If you're going to encounter God in your life, if you're going to experience God's rhema in your life, it's not going to be free. You're going to have to do some digging there's some work involved if I actually want to encounter and experience God in my life. The water is there, but I got to tap into it. Some of you have not tapped in. You've been a Christian your whole life and you haven't tapped in to the presence of God in your life. This is why the prophet Jeremiah, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with what? All of your heart. You got to keep digging. You got to keep seeking until you get his presence, until you get his rhema. Friends, sometimes it takes a little work. 
But once you do, man, that living water comes in and your life is never the same. And I'm talking to those of us who have grown up in the church and have been Christians for 30 years. You finally strike that water and everything changes. So one of the ways that we can do that, we can do some digging even this morning and practice that together is through this thing we call communion. Hopefully on your way in, you grabbed a communion cup. If you didn't, there's people in the back. You just raise a hand and they'll bring you one. I'm hoping we can all do this together. While those are being passed out. I'll just remind us that um, what communion is about, guys, think about that word itself. What are we doing? <laughs> think about it for a second. We're, we're communing, yes, with each other, but we're communing with God's presence. And what this tells us, you know, this, 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 this body that's been broken and this blood that's been poured out, what this, what this is telling us is that we now have access to his presence. Does anybody need some access to God this morning? I want some access. That is a privilege. Do not take that for granted. We have access through this. So I, wanna, I want to experience him, and I'm hoping you want that too. I want to have the living God come into my life and give me his rhema. So we're going to take this uh, top layer. You can just peel that off. We're going to take this, this which represents his body broken for us. And, and notice what we're doing. We're taking his presence, his body, and we're taking it into ourselves. So let's do that right now. Let's invite his presence into our inmost being. God, you are welcome. You're welcome in our lives. We invite you in. More of you, Lord. We want to experience you. We peel that second layer. Represents the blood of Christ shed out for the forgiveness of sin. Some of us need to be washed today. I'm telling you, to come into the presence of God, you got to be washed. You got to be cleansed. You can't do it. There's no way you can cleanse it. But the blood of Christ can make you clean. That's what the Bible says. That's what his rhema tells us. So we want to drink in his blood. We want to be cleansed and washed any sin in our life so that we can come into his presence. Friends, let's drink and receive that. Holy Jesus, wonderful counselor, we invite you into this place today. We invite you into our inmost beings. We want to know you. We want to experience you. We don't want to just have head knowledge or theory about who you are. We want to experience you in real life-giving ways. So fill each and every one of us this morning. That's my prayer. That we would experience you this week and beyond in real ways, hearing your rhema, your direction, your guidance for our lives. And help us, Lord, to live out that good plan you have for each and every one of us. We pray this in your name and all God's people said.